This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Pass to work quickly, down to six seconds, Carr going down again, and it's Quinton Williams this time for the Jets. And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania, another head coaching candidate profile breakdown, this time with Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. Michael, he's a hot candidate. A lot of Jets fans want him, arguably the best candidate on the market, considering what he's done for Josh Allen and that Bills team. What are your initial thoughts on, on Brian Dable potentially being the head coach of the New York Jets? Yeah, Dable's been a guy who I've been really high on as a candidate for a long time, or at least through what he's done this season, because what he's done with Josh Allen is just incredible how quickly he's progressed, how much he's progressed, both from his first year to his second, and then even more so from 2019 to this year is just the absolute, maybe the most impressive first three-year progression of a quarterback we've ever seen. So it's really remarkable what he's done. He's got a great background with the coaches he's worked under, Belichick, Saban. So he's definitely one of my favorite candidates for sure. And I think the Jets would definitely be lucky to get him with some of the more enticing openings out there. But Dable is a guy who I've been really high on. And he does have connections to the Jets. Uh, He was the quarterback's coach for Eric Mangini in 2007-2008. So you never know. I mean, there's certainly more attractive openings. I'm sure he's going to get a job um, this offseason. But we said that about Eric Bieniemy for the last two years. So you never know. But Dable would certainly be an A-plus hire if he is the guy. Um, and as we've done with all these head coaching candidate breakdowns, we bring in somebody from that team who covers that team, who knows a hell of a lot more about these candidates than we do. We are joined by Greg Thompson from Cover One. Greg, how you doing, man? Not too bad. Looking forward to it. It's uh, very different to be on this end of these discussions. Uh, we've been the team for 20 years begging other teams to be like, oh man, I hope we can get that guy and usually settling for like our third or fourth choice. So having people try to hire our people is a very foreign experience to me, but uh, I'll try to do my best. Yeah, we have an, no idea what that's like. Has, has there been anyone who wants one of our coaches in the it, 10 was, plus years was, I've been following the team closely? Was Belichick the last one? I mean, literally, yeah, I, I, it's a, it's an enviable position to be in, but it's also a bummer because it's stressful. Bills, yeah, exactly. For Bills fans, it's like, whoa, wait, this is a guy who has uh, turned Josh Allen around from one of the most disliked prospects, at least on draft Twitter. A lot of the old heads loved his boomer bust potential, and he has hit his ceiling to the to the max. I mean, I don't think many people thought that Josh Allen could could turn around some of the the flaws that people saw in his game from his accuracy 
uh, and whatnot. Obviously, he was a physically impressive talent, but Dable deserves a lot of credit for what he's done for, for Josh Allen. I mean, they have they've built a system around him. Uh, they've given him the players that, that support his strengths. The Bills are a perfect example on how to surround your young quarterback with talent. Meanwhile, the Jets with Sam Darnold are the, the, the complete antithesis of that. Um, but Greg, let's just talk about Brian Dable's offensive scheme. I mean, before we get into him as a head coach, how would you describe his, his philosophy and, and what he tries to do on offense? So um, it's, you know, it's an Earhart Perkins base. So it's going to be in that similar, you know, uh, language that you see in many other setups, but it's very matchup based. He is not a a guy who's going to say, nope, this is what we do. And we're going to make you defend it. If, you know, if you struggle against the run, they're going to have a run heavy approach. There haven't been very many of those this year, but they've tilted into that. Then you have games where, you know, you heard Pete Carroll after the Seahawks game saying, well, we had a great plan to stop the run. And Brian Dable didn't care. They passed the ball 28 of the first 30 plays of the game. Um, He's going to lean into whatever your weaknesses are. He's going to wear it out and hit it with a sledgehammer, not lean into it, not 40, 50, 60%. He's going to do it until you stop. And if you don't, they're going to put up 56 points. So obviously the biggest draw with Dable is the work he's done with Josh Allen, taking a guy who was the prototype boomer bust prospect with having a very low floor obviously never really produced even in college and but also had a very high floor with the physical tools that he brought to the table and he has probably even exceeded the ceiling that most people thought that he had so the work that he's done with Josh Allen is the main draw of his appeal as a head coach so what are the particular things that Dable has been able to do to get the most out of Josh Allen, to take him from where he was coming out of Wyoming to the borderline MVP candidate? I mean, he could have won MVP in a lot of other years if Aaron Rodgers wasn't as amazing as he's been this season. But so how, what are the things he's done to take Josh Allen from a guy who has all the tools, but a lot of work to do to get the most out of them to a guy who at this point, two years later is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So first for Josh Allen, there's three pieces to that pie. Obviously, you don't have a lot of guys willing to rip their mechanics down to the studs every offseason and rebuild them with a quarterback guru like Jordan Palmer and just try to turn himself into what he needs to be with an incredible amount of work ethic and, and humility. You know, a lot of guys, I always joke all the time that Josh Allen is what Jeff George or Jamarcus Russell could have been you know, they, they had that potential and that howitzer connected to their right shoulder. He just was willing to put in the work to, to build himself into that. Another third of it is Brandon Bean surrounding him with the great offensive line and great talent. And, you know, Cole Beasley, John Brown, and then trading for Stefan Diggs. That was another big piece of it. The other third is Brian Dable. And he's been able to put him into a position where, you know, he protected him from himself early. He didn't try to put him into bad positions. He tried to lean into things he was comfortable with. They were comfortable doing a lot of the first read and then run stuff in his first year or two, because he's an athlete and that's what he was comfortable doing. Then they progressed. Then they added on, then they progressed, then they added on and you evolve into a system now where they still lean into things Josh is good at. And he, he suggests and calls play. So Dayball is very comfortable. Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley have both brought in um, different route combinations that they liked from their previous destinations or previous locations. Um, Josh suggests things during the game. Sometimes he'll have Ken Dorsey call up to the booth to say, Hey, I'd like to see us put in this. I think I see something. Um, But Dayball is very flexible in what he does to, 
stress the defense. You saw a couple of different plays this past week, something that might not seem like that big of a deal, but he ended up setting up a play where Josh was able to have the time to look off the safeties and hit a double move off of a cover zero blitz. And it's really hard to set up the protections to let a quarterback have enough time to look off safeties with a double move to John Brown ended up looking like an easy touchdown down the right sideline. It was against Xavier Howard. It was against one of the best cornerbacks in the league with a double, with a, a zero blitz coming, having the intelligence of how to set up the protections, how to be able to disguise what's going on with the defense and put your quarterback into a position like that is pretty rare. He, he's, he's really strong at leaning into the strengths of his receivers, his offenses, quarterback, uh, and Josh Allen has obviously uh, benefited from that greatly. Yeah. I think his, his malleability of his, of his scheme of building a scheme around his players is what makes him so attractive as a potential head coach. I mean, you see it too many times and the jets have certainly experienced this under Adam Gase where they try to uh, fit a square uh, peg into a round hole and it just doesn't work. The jets didn't build a system around Darnold. They didn't do the things that, that Dable did for, for Josh Allen. And, and especially if, if Dable were to become the head coach, of the jets, he's either going to have to rebuild a guy like Sam Darnold or he's going to have to do what he did with Josh Allen for Justin Fields, a supremely physically talented quarterback, some issues elsewhere in his game, or Zach Wilson, kind of a similar story there, a guy who was quarterback at BYU. Um, so it's encouraging to see that he has a track record, and there's not many coaches that have had uh, this much of an impact on the QB like, like Dable has had um, for Allen. The other thing that, that's intriguing about Dable is, is the coaching tree that, that he comes from. He's been under two of the best coaches uh, in all of football and Bill Belichick and, and Nick Saban. How do you think that might have helped him transition to becoming a head coach? So that's the one area that I don't have a great feel for is that Sean McDermott runs everything in that building. Like that is his team in every sense of the word. He leads and structures everything. He's one of the most detail oriented people I've ever met. Like when he walked in, he literally had a binder with what he was going to do on every single day for the first 365 days in the job. Um, literally like down to the, you know, what he was going to do at four o'clock on September 4th, like stuff like that. He controls everything. I hope that the takeaway from that is learning structure, learning the importance of an infrastructure for a team. And then you combine that with obviously the all-time greats of learning under Belichick and Saban. My hope is that he comes forward with that with great leadership skills. There haven't been a great amount of opportunity to see does he have that it factor and those leadership skills? Because when you're under dominating presences like Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, and, and to a different degree, but still a dominating presence in Sean McDermott that control everything in the organization, that's my only unknown. I don't have any reason to doubt Brian Dable. It's just I don't think he's had a great deal of opportunity to lead, per se. Um, I will say the players love him and vouch for him and really rally around him personally. Um, and that usually is a pretty good sign. And as you sort of touched on, because my question is going or was going to be, what are the traits you think he has that do fit that profile of a head coach? Because like you mentioned, the biggest question is, can he be that it factor, that leader in the locker room? And we don't really know that because he's coaching under a guy in Sean McDermott who already handles most of that. But based on what you can see and have seen from him so far, what traits has he shown? And like you already touched on with his relationship with the players, what traits has he shown that sort of, uh, sort of show off the potential that he can be a good head coach? 
So if I if I'm a Jets fan and I'm looking for signs of being able to do that, I think that malleability you talked about in the offensive scheme, I would lean into hoping that that applies to other philosophies and strategy that he's willing to cater his approach and his style to what's best for the players um, to have, you know, structure and expectation, but not, you know, you're not talking Tom Coughlin, iron fist kind of madness. Um, So how can you manage that kind of thing? And and in today's modern NFL, are you able to, you know, follow a, a, a solid, plan that players know what to expect and are able to work with you but you're not you know overly demanding and and trusting them as as men um i also sean mcdermott is huge on talking about things that you know traditional football guys don't talk about and like he says that he loves his players and he wants them to love each other and they spend a great deal of time talking about their personal lives and why they play and why it matters to them and what their motivations are so that they know each other. So when you're out there fighting for a guy, you know why you're fighting for him. That would be a big hope for me in a team hiring Dable is that you're bringing that with. I think it's been a huge part of building the culture and the chemistry in the locker room of what the bills have built. Um, I think on the field, he needs to probably pair himself with, an experienced, maybe former head coach as a defensive coordinator, not dissimilar from a Sean McVay, Wade Phillips kind of scenario where, hey, go be the head coach of defense. I'm going to run things over here and call the plays. You know, I'm still calling the shots on game day here, but that's your world. You go ahead and run it and do what you need to do. Um, And if he pairs up with the right person there, I think you could be really on to something. Yeah, he's certainly an intriguing candidate. I think that the, the question that many Jets fans are going to have is if the Jets are willing to go with that type of structure. Again, clearly it can work when you look at San Francisco and L.A., but the Jets didn't hire the right man for that, and Adam Gase and Greg Williams, and they tried to run that system. And I think we've heard all offseason about um, having a CEO, a guy who's not just too focused on one side of the ball. And so when you hear that and then you hear that that might not be Dable's strengths, at least initially, I mean, he has learned under some terrific head coaches that he could be that CEO – I think there's there's at least a question mark. And that's one of those things in his interview that when Joe Douglas sits down with him and they, they talk about what his plan is for the team, the staff that he's going to build, that's where you're going to learn a lot uh, about the type of philosophy that, that Brian Dable is going to have. But certainly uh, intriguing outside of Josh Allen, because we talked about uh, some of the things that, that Brian Dable does well from a player communication standpoint and a development standpoint and a malleability standpoint and the leadership that he's learned from Belichick, McDermott and Saban. But one of the most underrated aspects to being a good coach is that development, that ability to be a good teacher, that being involved in, you know, it's kind of the balance of you have to be able to delegate some things, but you want to be involved in every level. And Dable as an offensive coordinator has had some some great development stories outside of Josh Allen. Can you just talk about some of the players in the Bills offense who've really taken off under under Brian Dable? Sure, sure. And and there's it, it's a nice mix of kind of reclamation projects and and guys coming from different spots. They've been able to um so there's a fine line in development versus being pigheaded and sticking with guys who you need to be able to move on from because they're not cutting it and not letting that investment override your decisions. So a key piece will be the relationship between him and Joe Douglas, who I, I'm a fan of. I think Douglas is, is a bright football mind, um, making sure that they're on the same page of what they're looking for in players and what they're willing to do. So some examples are, the Bills invested a 40th overall pick in Cody Ford. Well, 
Ike Bakker was playing better than him. And he's a practice squad, you know, undrafted free agent call up, but you had to play the right guy and you had to be able to bring them along and do those things. Um, taking a shot on Daryl Williams. So uh, Brandon Bean had a history with him in Carolina. He played at an all pro level Well, then he got hurt and then he played like trash, you know, last year. And uh, now in hindsight, he probably rushed his rehab back trying to get a contract. He probably then was asked to play out a position on the left side, which he had never done before. Those things combined for him to put up some pretty bad film. Um, but the Bills took a shot on that. And then they went through, hey, we've made all this investment in Josh Allen. Are we willing to put a reclamation project like that out there at right tackle and hope that he can keep our prize possession safe? it's paid off in spades and, and it's been fantastic. Um, in fact, he's probably too expensive for us now and we're going to be able to resign him this offseason. Um, so those kind of things, then some younger players, uh, you know, there's some balance to it. They've had really high end athletes like Dawson Knox, who's had some flashes here or there, but has struggled. Well, they've leaned into guys like Lee Smith, who is a amazing blocking tight end, but not exactly an athlete that's going to, you know, scare anybody, but they're not just going to keep dumping reps into a guy who's not doing his job and, you know, giving Isaiah McKenzie a creative role in the offense when he's, I think, we checked this at one point, I think he's documented as the shortest wide receiver in the NFL. Um, so that's not exactly the normal fit for everybody to have a, I think they're polite and say five, seven, and really he's much closer <laughs> to five, six, um, you know, but he still is a great, you know, gadget guy, return guy, jet sweeps. And now he's turning into a pretty solid slot receiver. Um, so being able to be patient and work through and find roles for those people, obviously Josh is by far the best example of patience and skill set and building an offense around him to, to succeed, but he's certainly not the only one. Yeah, and, and as a Bills fan, certainly you don't want to lose Dable. So if you had to make a pitch <laughs> of the negatives to Brian Dable, and, and you're going to say, let's say you're on the line with Joe Douglas, and you're trying to convince Joe Douglas not to hire Brian Dable, what are some of the things that you're going to bring up? What are concerns that you have about Brian Dable making that jump from great offense coordinator to great head coach? So the biggest one's going to be the track record versus the one-year wonder. It's going to be, hey, hey. So I'll, I'll try to be genuine about this because there's reasons why. If you go back and look at the quarterbacks that he had in his stretches with Miami and Cleveland and Kansas City, I think we actually put it together at one point. The best uh, quarterback that he had that entire stretch was Matt Moore, was the best quarterback he had. But the results were terrible. You know, he was a bad offensive coordinator. There was a reason he had a bunch of one-year stints and it didn't go all that well. And he got kind of kicked around a couple of times. And then the first couple of years in Buffalo were okay. Like they weren't, they were better than the previous subs. They weren't anything special. Like he wasn't knocking down any doors to, to get head coaching opportunities. Um, so the fear would be that that pie that I described to you and I described it as one-third, one-third, one-third. The fear would be that it was actually... 45% Brandon Bean adding talent, 45% Josh Allen taking a huge step forward, and 10% Brian Dable that you just happened to be the guy in charge when Stefan Diggs walked in and Josh Allen got good. Um, I don't think that's true. I, I think that he's a very genuine piece of this. Josh Allen speaks about him to an unbelievably emotional level. Um, so the I'll tell a quick story. Um, you guys probably hear about the thing where the Bills fans raised all the money 
uh, for Josh Allen's grandma after she died and ended up being over a million dollars and all the crazy stuff. So he didn't tell anybody that that happened the night before, except Brian Dable and Sean McDermott. Um, He was a wreck that Saturday night. Wasn't sure he could play. Wasn't sure what was going on. Um, You know, told Dable about it and said, you know, they said, it's up to you. you. You let us know. And if you're ready to go, we won't tell anybody. We'll just let you play and handle it. That's what they decided to do. So after the game, he played at that point, the best game of his career was he outdueled Russell Wilson and, and won a shootout against Russell Wilson came into the locker room afterwards, fell, you know, um, the first guy that found him was Dable. He kind of went to, to hug him and Josh collapsed into his arms and the two of them sobbed for five minutes over that. And that's not the kind of thing that happens with somebody that you're good buddies with. And, you know, Hey, we have a good working relationship. Um, that that's somebody who you genuinely care about and that matters to you and that you had a real connection with. And if you're able to connect with people like that, that's a skill that translates in a pretty special way. So, um, as a Bills fan, I desperately hope he's the Eric B enemy of this year and that the Bills go on a crazy run and everybody's asking themselves, oh my God, how is this possible that, Eric, that Brian Dable didn't get a head coaching job? He was so qualified for it. Um, but I, I certainly expect and am ready for him to get the gig that he deserves. Well, my next question, the story you just told kind of really answers it, but when you picture Brian Dable as a head coach, what moments do you look back on, whether it's schematically an, adju- an adjustment he makes in the game, whether it's coaching-wise, moments like the one you explained with Josh Allen. When you picture him becoming a head coach, what particular moments do you look back on as examples of why he is going to be making that leap? So I, that That is certainly a good one. Um, some other things I would say, some of the matter of fact, I'll even give a question. So his willingness to change his comfort level, he prefers to be on the sideline and be down there talking with guys and in the mix. He's discovered that he's a better offensive coordinator and play caller from the booth and is willing to pivot and do that because that's what was best for the team. Um, I'm actually it makes me question a little bit how he will do that on game day right. um, as the head coach because I'm a hundred percent so. He, not 100% certain, it would be silly to hire someone like him and not have him be the play caller. It's one of his best (laughs) skills. Like he's fantastic at it. His timing of how to sequence plays and how he straight up tricks defenses where we see plays that what, you know, it's easy to see right after they happen, but he'll set it up and lull people into a false sense of security with jet motion, jet motion, jet motion. Doesn't mean anything all day. Every once in a while, a handoff, no big deal. Then all of a sudden, they, they keep running a drag off the left side, keep running the drag off the left side. Nobody really pays attention to it. All of a sudden in a critical moment, Oh, we send Isaiah McKenzie on the jet motion and up a wheel route up the sideline that you've been getting tricked by that drag coming across. And all of a sudden the corner takes two or three steps with the drag and boom, Isaiah McKenzie's by you. He will set things like that up that we will see in week 15. They're like, Oh my God, we remember when he set that up so many times and everybody fell for it. And now it's just a free touchdown. And he'll do that a half dozen times every season where he just schematically creates a free touchdown. And those are nice. Those, those aren't easy to come by. In, in what, what are those nowadays. like? <laughs> um, so that creativity is really what shows it to me because he's doing that, you know, what he just did the last three games, the Bills put up 142 points in the last three games. You want to know who the defensive minds were in those three games? Vic Fangio, Bill Belichick, and Brian Flores. 
He put up 142 points on Vic Fangio, Bill Belichick, and Brian Flores. Uh, yeah, that's about as good of an endorsement as I could possibly give. And then obviously another big part of becoming a head coach is the staff you put together. It's something that, you know, the Jets with the candidates they've looked at have had questions about, obviously, probably wrongly with Matt Rule and going with Adam Gase over him a couple of years <laughs> probably. ago. Probably. <laughs> probably. I think that's sort of TBD. But in terms of the staff of Brian Dable, what sort of staff do you see him building? He's got such a great background with spending time at Alabama with New England. Now, obviously, in Buffalo. So what sort of staff do you see him putting together if he does get a head job? So I would, I would say I expect a quite a bit more of his staff to come from his background than from the bills. Um, It won't be zero. I don't think none of the players, none of the coaches would go with. Um, He has very few previous connections with anyone there. They didn't bring anyone with, Almost all of the hires were directly by Sean McDermott. Most of them the year before, because McDermott and Bean got there a year before Dable. They had much of the staff in place, and then Dable came in, and a a big chunk of that was kept. Um, And a handful of guys came over, but they were from different connections or no connection with them. So I could see um, Bobby Johnson's the offensive line coach. I think he's the kind of guy that, maybe isn't ready to be a play caller, but maybe ready to be a game planner and coordinator under a play calling head coach. I could see that uh, wide receiver coach, Chad Hall is similar. I don't think either of them are ready to, the, neither of them would be my call to be the replacement for Ch- uh, Brian Dable, because I don't think either ready or either of them are ready to be play callers, but I think they're game planners with that in their future. And a stepping stone might be, a three-year stint as a play-calling head coach's offensive coordinator. Um, For that reason, some people might connect quarterback coach Ken Dorsey with Dable. Um, Dorsey's background is in Carolina, again, connected with McDermott and Bean much more so than Dable. But I actually think Dorsey would be the likely replacement for Dable, just staying with Josh Allen and moving up a step from quarterback coach to coordinator. Um, On the defensive side, obviously you have defensive line coach, Eric Washington, uh, who was the defense coordinator in Carolina. Um, I don't think that Leslie Frazier would go for a lateral to move with. Um, So those are a couple names. I would expect the majority of the names to come from his connections at Alabama and in new England from his past history that he would pluck and put together. Um, There aren't, he's pretty singularly like the super qualified candidate guy on the staff. There's not a ton of other guys getting interviews. So I don't think there's somebody obvious that, especially on the defensive side that I'm like, Oh man, Leslie Frazier's there. We can't give him a defensive coordinator job. Somebody's going to steal that guy. We don't really have that guy per se right now. Um, 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 Bobby Babich might be the closest one. Our secondary coach is a guy that people like a lot um, and that might have that in his future. But I think he'd be more of, the opposite of what I said with there, if uh, Eberflus, he'd be more of the coordinator under a defensive-minded head coach that's making more of the calls, but that's his step forward. So, um, some of those kind of pieces are names you could look for: Bobby Johnson, Chad Hall, Eric Washington, and Bobby Babbage are the top names from the Bills staff. But I'd expect more of the names, honestly, to come from uh, other past stops from him. 
Right. Definitely makes sense. And, and you, you mentioned a little bit earlier that maybe he should be paired with a former head coach as a defensive coordinator. That would be a position. Especially as a first time, first time head exactly, coach. I think it yeah. makes a ton of sense. Certainly. I think it makes sense for pretty much any first time head coach to have at least one former head coach on that staff somewhere that you can lean on. Um, so his staff is certainly an interesting part of his equation. I expect him to get a job. Let's wipe out the jets for just this question. Uh, and then the last one we'll, we'll, pivot towards the jets but a brian dable coach team what is their philosophy what type of players do you think he's going to want pressure joe douglas or whoever the gm is to bring in uh to to meld that vision that that brian dable has for his football club so i think one of the biggest takeaways of any team try you know the the copycat league type thing that that the nfl often is if you're going to take anything away from what buffalo has done it's don't make exceptions on the right fit for your team. So the Bills lean very much into hyper-competitive football is the top priority team-oriented things. Now, some people translated that into they don't take exceptions on players or they want all choir boys. That's not the case. You know, John Feliciano is not a nice person. Um, just Stefan Diggs has had histories with things. There's guys who are mean, nasty, tough players that you know get penalties and are not choir boys, but hyper-competitive, super team-oriented football is a huge priority. They don't roll the dice on guys who are just athletic trait pieces. Um if that's what he takes with, and I, I think that's the biggest takeaway from that locker room he's now spent three years in. And that would be the connection with Do- Joe Douglas is, hey, let's trust your gut. You spent your life building up as a great evaluator of talent. Don't let that override that just bringing in the talented guy, we can make it work. And I don't want to poke fun, but you know, don't throw money at a George Fant because you see he's a really good athlete and I'm pretty sure we can make it work. But, you know, it's sometimes guys who lean into a history of scouting and athletic traits will convince themselves we can turn this guy into a great football player. Whereas I'd rather have the Bills take more questionable, like the mock draftable webs and the RAS scores, the relative athletic scores. The Bills take more questionable players off of that than any team. Like guys who people are like, oh my gosh, that guy's going to be a bust. He doesn't match up in these metrics, but they're really good at finding football players, like guys who are really good at what they do. I would hope that's his approach and that they build a culture around that and finding the right fit for guys because he's going to, once you fit, find him, he's going to run an aggressive, nasty offense that puts up a lot of points uh, because he's going to find the weakness in the other team. Greg, did you really just slander our, our man, George Fant, like that? I mean, that's a CYJ legend right there, who, by the way, I think you're criminally underrating. I mean, he was actually pretty solid this year, but fine. I mean, I guess we won't take it personally. And Michael, I know I know you have the last question of the day, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to move on from that. I don't even want Brian Dable now. Yeah, if, if Brian Dable's not on board with George Fant, then he can go to the Chargers. He can stay in Buffalo. He can do. <laughs> he can go wherever he wants. He might as well have criticized Braden Man. That that's how much of a crime that is. <laughs> that, that I can respect that. I, I was a big fan of Braden Man coming out in this draft. I can respect that one. <laughs> At least we can agree on that one. But but to, to wrap it all up, I think it's interesting how you discuss sort of his philosophy because there are similarities and differences with Joe Douglas. Because in terms of being football first, culture oriented, Douglas has really harped on that, and he delivered on it in the draft. He definitely didn't just 
he's he walked his talk in the draft he picked a lot of team captains almost no character concerns whatsoever so he's really talked up the culture and delivered on that but at the same time like you mentioned Fant and many other picks and signings he made are very much banking on talent and athletic upside more so than pure football with guys like Brashad Perriman um, and other guys he drafted Jabari Zuniga Cameron Clark guys who are more yeah. so based on traits more so than actual football and just pure technical ability so there are those differences the culture is there but in terms of the evaluation there are some differences but I think to wrap it all up if Brian Dable were the hire and you're talking to Jets for the Jets in particular Brian Dable were the higher, what would your pitch be to Jets fans as to why they should be excited about it? So by far the easiest and cleanest endorsement I can give is I'd be furious. <laughs> I would be really <laughs> upset as a Bills guy. That, I think that's all we need. Yeah, honestly, it's the simplest and cleanest endorsement I can give is I'd be petrified that he fixes Sam Darnold or fixes whatever quarterback that you pick number two and does what he did with Josh Allen because – not, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that it wasn't just him that did that, but he knows the things that Josh did to get it fixed. So if they pick the right guy and he can guide him on how to do that and then take the steps to make the right play calls to put him into a position to succeed, I don't want to face that twice a year. I don't want that in my life. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's about as good a sales pitch as, as we've heard. I mean, you get to hurt your rival and, and benefit. It remains to be seen if Brian Dable can be that CEO type of coach that the Jets are looking for, but yeah. damn, is he an attractive candidate? I mean, I, I really, uh, especially if the Jets are going to go in the direction of a young quarterback, surrounding that young quarterback with as much talent and as much guidance as possible, especially after all the mistakes they made with Sam Darnold, should be of top priority. And a guy like Dable with his resume, I mean, it's going to be hard to pass up. It makes sense why he was one of the first candidates that the Jets requested. Greg, you mentioned this before we started recording, but if you had to make a, a prediction on where Dable will end up this offseason, I have a, I have a feeling it's not going to be New York, right? I, I don't think so. Um, I think that I think there's some enticing pieces that, you know, Mackay Becton and Denzel Mims, there's some nice young building blocks in New York that, that I do think I think are better than the record and the season indicates. I, I do think you might have had the worst head coach in history. I, I he's right yeah, up we there. We'll not argue with that. We're not. Yeah, right, right we'll up take there. That. So, um, I, I do think that there's similar. I made the similar prediction that the guy who followed Freddie Kitchens in Cleveland was just going to look like a genius simply by comparison and by default next to him. You're going to get that. You're going to get a competent adult in the room who can do a good job, and he's going to look great just because he's not Adam Gase. I mean, we could hire Bill O'Brien, but <laughs> <laughs> careful what you wish for. Um, so. I, I will say, I don't think Brian Dable is going to be that coach. One of the main ones is he has an existing connection in Los Angeles. The GM of the Chargers also went to St. Francis High School in Western New York. They were teammates together and played football together there. They have a great personal relationship. Um, so I, I think Dean Spanos is still calling the shots out there. But if Telesco has anything to do with it, you have – a guy who just molded a great young athletic quarterback into an MVP candidate and you've got Justin Herbert sitting there, man, that's an enticing combination. I, I will be flabbergasted if, and I, I don't know the Dables, you know, head and shoulders, the number one candidate out there, but he's in the mix. He's in that first right. tier of candidates. So if you have a first tier candidate 
who wants your job and has a good relationship with the GM, I'll be shocked if, if that's not the one that he wants to go after. So that combination of him wanting that job and him knowing the GM from their childhood together, yeah. that's a pretty tough hurdle to clear. Um, but it, let's say they don't. I know you, you mentioned pre-show about, you know, Eric Bieniemy was a running back there as well and has history there. So the owner is going to prefer Bieniemy, I would say. Um, if you have Dean Spanos trump him, I do think you guys are right there. And I think you'd be neck and neck with Jacksonville as far as right. young rosters, bevy of talent, tons of cap space, um, probably a better GM situation than obviously an open slate in, in Jacksonville. I think you guys would be right there with them in that next year. Yeah, it sounds like LA is is an obvious uh, choice for Dable. Just when you talk about his, he was teammates with the GM, and who doesn't want to be in LA? Uh, and it's probably the best jobber out there. I mean, just when you look at the roster uh, and the situation that'll be inheriting. Uh, Greg, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know it's a busy week. It, it's a Bills playoff Fun. game this weekend, um, but we really appreciate you you taking time out of your day to talk to us. Uh, measly losing franchises. We we really appreciate it. I, if I can give you any hope, it's that if the Bills can turn into this juggernaut that people are picking to go on crazy playoff runs, then anybody can do it. Well, hopefully yeah, and- our drought doesn't last as long as yours did. Yeah. Yeah, I pray <laughs> oh, for you. I pray for you that it doesn't. That that was for the George fan comment. He just had to remind you. <laughs> Um, Greg, we're, we're, I mean, obviously our fans are Jets fans, so I don't imagine you're going to gain too many followers from this plug, but maybe, maybe people have had enough of, of, uh, New Jersey. Maybe they want to go to Western New York. So where, where can our, our listeners find you? So I, I'll give my sales pitch. If you want to see the Patriots suffer in the short term, come root for the bills. We will embarrass them on your behalf until you guys are ready. And then by all means, we will welcome you in stomping them down into the ground. You can find me at Greg Thompson. Um, and I will say from an actual sales pitch standpoint, although I am very bills focused on the cover one crew, we actually have some outstanding draft coverage guys that do really good work. So as you're doing it, we have some of the best film breakdown guys in the business that go through really detailed breakdowns of each of the draft candidates. So you can find some really good stuff over at cover one.net and over on our uh, different channels on YouTube under the cover one umbrella. Yeah. I've been following cover one for a while, even though I, I don't believe I've, I've, I've ever done a podcast with you, but it was, uh, it, I'd certainly enjoy uh, getting to see what our rivals are up to and, and a lot of smart football content there. And, and who knows, maybe, uh, maybe we'll have you back on to break down some Brian Dable film. If he is the next head coach of the New York jets. I mean, one can only hope he's certainly uh, among the most popular candidates uh, with Jets fans, uh, let us know what you think at CYJ Pod. Would Brian Dable be a, a home run of a hire for Joe Douglas? You can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington, Michael, Michael underscore Nanny. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, JetsXFactor.com. Brian Dable, ladies and gentlemen. Looks right, fires a bomb down the right sideline again for Mims. What a catch by Denzel Mims.